You're listening to Got Tech, the podcast with your hosts, Eric Geis and Nick Johnson. Welcome back to Got Tech, the podcast. This is episode 32 called The Ultimate Guide to Classroom Screencasting. In this episode, Geis and I explore the power of screencasting for student projects and teacher efficiency, taking a look at our favorite tools and project ideas. We also share some Chrome shortcuts that are sure to make your screen time more productive. Check it out. go episode number 32 yeah 32 uh that's a getting up there in the episode count it's pretty exciting also extra exciting it's coming down to the end of the year how does that feel it feels wonderful and what happens at the end of the year final project galore i mean that's what i'm doing final projects with teachers and believe it or not this is one of my favorite times of year because this is when a lot of teachers come talk to me and they want to do something cool, something that will help them battle senioritis, something that will keep the underclassmen into it. And this is where we kind of get to be creative. Yeah, it's also one of my favorite times of the year because you do, you get to explore. Everybody's kind of starting to feel a little bit burnt out and you want some different ways, some creative ways, like you said, to keep the kids interested, keep them learning, of course, but maybe do it in more of a fun, relaxed, uh, let the, like we said, kind of let them explore and be creative. So we thought it would be a great time to to do a specific segment on screencasting, uh, but to really cover it start to finish and get into the nuts and bolts of exactly how you would create a screencast and some different ideas for how to make that happen. And before you decide to just turn this podcast off because screencasting is so yesterday. Right. Uh, I, I want to say this, and uh, I, I make a lot of screencasts throughout the year. And most of them are how to use this piece of technology or uh, what's this piece of technology do for this situation or uh, badging. I make, you know, screencasts for our badging system here for our professional development. So I was like when a teacher came up to me, and was like, hey, I really want to use something new and cool. I've heard about screencasting. I was like, all right, I flipped my classroom. I had all this background on that. And I was like, can we do something else? And they were like, no, no, let's come up with a new way of using screencasting a new way of using screencasting i'm like all right i'm in and we got the brainstorming we were we were throwing ideas left and right so first i had to really explain what screencasting was to a couple of them and then i had to explain some of the projects in which i've already done with teachers or some projects that i've worked on or how i used screencasting but then we came up with several other ideas. So we're going to include them all in this segment. Yeah, I think it's cool because it is, it's a pretty simple thing, but you can expand on it in so many ways and take it so many directions. I think we've got some cool, hopefully new ideas for anybody who's listening. And just in case we do have some listeners maybe that are new to screencasting, it's a pretty simple concept. So let's just start with exactly what it is. Uh, Really just imagine your computer screen and you can even do it on tablets or even a phone with the right app. But imagine your screen with literally anything that's on the screen, that's your cursor moving around that can be a website most commonly done while you're uh, playing through or clicking through some slides like a Google Slides or PowerPoint but literally you just record 
whatever's on your screen and it turns it into a video format with the benefit being uh, you get to narrate as it's recording and manipulate things on the screen to go along with your narration. Really, it's just a simple way to make instructional or educational videos. So simplest form, you have a presentation, you have some type of screencasting tool that usually is a extension, a Chrome extension, and you hit record and you record your voice talking about what's on that presentation. Now there's some added things that you could do and you could put your your picture in the bottom right corner and you could do it that way. And all three of the tools that we mentioned to you today have the capability of putting your picture in the bottom. And most of them have advanced capabilities of using a highlighter or a pen to annotate whatever you do. But if you're like me and you're about as coordinated as a toddler learning how to walk, uh, you don't need to do that stuff there. You could do it later or you don't even need to do it at all and it'll be just fine. So three uh, ed tech tools that you can use that we've talked about, link each one of these in the show notes to previous episodes or posts that we talk about them, are Loom, Screencastify, and Screencast-O-Matic. And all three of them you can get using the Google Chrome store and getting those extensions. We don't want to talk too much about these because they're pretty simple. You should just know what they are, but I do want to throw in there that Screencast-O-Matic is my personal choice. I know it was always yours too, right? I'm not sure if you... It still is. Okay. So that's pretty much like the best one from our perspective, but we really want to get into, okay, once you've made your screencast, that means you've sat down, you've created a presentation, you've recorded it, your voice is going over top of something. What are some ways that you can enhance that and make it more interesting? My favorite my favorite way to do this, I don't want the kids just to sit there and really watch me clicking through a bunch of PowerPoint slides. I, I think it a lot of times comes, comes off as boring. Even if it's a short video, it's, it's kind of dry. So I like to make it as visually appealing as possible. And one of the ways that you can do that is by simply including GIFs in the PowerPoint slide or the Google slide. The benefit is when you're playing those and per, sort of projecting them on your screen, uh, they're moving. So as uh, you know, that's what a GIF does. It's moving. And you, then your narrated voice, yeah, it's describing what's happening there. But there's some added interest on the screen. It just kind of keeps things, uh, keeps a little bit more interesting and visually appealing so that people pay more attention. Going along with uh, the GIFs, uh, you could also just have pictures, graphs, tables, infographics, and some great ed tech tools for creating these pictures, graphs, and infographics are Canva, which we've talked about before, and Adobe Spark. That's another great one. I personally love Google Drawings. I can't say anything else about Google Drawings that I haven't said before. Super easy, super embeddable, super cool. Uh, The last one I was thinking about is you can definitely make a thing link and you can make your interactive uh, annotated picture your screencast. So instead of slides, you can use thing link and hover over each one of the symbols and talk about it. And I think that would be a great way to enhance your screencast. So let's move over and switch over. And I know Nick's chomping at the bits to talk about this because he is the Wii Video King. And uh, so we use Wii Video for any post-production thing. So Wii Video, if we wanted to add music to our screencast, Wii Video allows you to do that. If you want to have a title and editing, all that stuff, Wii Video can do that. So Nick, what else can Wii Video do? Because yeah. you are that guy. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I was doing screencasts for a couple years, but really when I started editing the videos, uh, the product videos from the screencast, is really when they came alive for me. And it actually got me a lot more excited about it because when you take the screencast that you've recorded and it's in this, you know, you've got your video and, and you can push it straight to YouTube and, and just kind of post it as is. But I really want the things that I create, especially knowing my students are going to view them. And this can go, uh, you know, double for if your students are making their own screencasts, some of the ideas we'll have shortly, uh, you want them to to also make it look as professional as possible. I mean, these things are gonna be probably out there online with your name attached. So I always want them to look good. I think WeVideo is one of my favorite programs that does this. It lets you do so many really cool editing uh, sort of enhancements to this. A couple of my favorite ones are simply just an intro and an outro to the video. It lets you sort of standardize and almost make like a brand for you as a teacher. So for me, I've got like a, like a standard intro that is always the intro that I put in to all my videos. And the best part about WeVideo is that it has them pre-made. So literally all you do is type in whatever text you want. You can find mine on YouTube. It's called Chemistry by Johnson. And that's how every one of my videos starts. And it's really cool. It looks super professional. And, you know, kids say all the time, like, wow, how did you make this? Although now a lot of them know it's Wii Video. But before that, they, it just looks really good. Uh, adding music over top of it is so simple. And you can sort of drag it in as a track and overlay it and make it quieter, make it louder, whatever you want to do. Other just simple things like adding filters, sort of like Instagram filters that slightly change the color. There's borders. So it can have like a nice sort of gray outline or different, like a picture frame. I don't usually use those too much, but I know some people might be into that. Uh, the list goes on and, you know, I think uh, we video is probably just like the best, easiest option for this. So if you have a tech coach in your building, or if not, you just have someone that is ed tech gifted or comfortable is what we called it in previous episodes, run over to them and ask them a couple questions. You can make this as intense as you want or as basic as you want. But the best thing is, is uh, we find that the students appreciate it. It's something different, all right? Especially if you're known not to use technology in your classroom. If people consider you to be not that person that is going to you know, go out on a limb and do something. And then all of a sudden you come in and be like, hey guys, this is your homework. You send them with the screencast and all of a sudden they hear you talking at home. Now, some people, this will be a nightmare for them and other people, you know, not so much. They might like it and they might see that uh, you're, you're trying something new and they're going to get excited about it. Yeah, and the kids always appreciate when there's a when there's a change and when they get to try something else. I'll just to add in, most of the kids these days they really do prefer when they can sort of watch as long as it's short, quick videos at home. That seems to be the preferred style because it just kind of opens up and makes things more flexible for them. And uh, you mentioned something that they have to be short. And uh, one of the rules that I've always gone by with uh, screencasts is one minute per grade. For example, if you're in kindergarten, first grade, it would be one minute long. That's that before or after that they're checking out if you're in 10th grade 10 minutes and even that might be a little long but i i like to follow that rule so if you're going to go over 10 minutes and you, your audience is 10th grade break it up into two videos two five minute videos two six minute videos so we talked about how in we video you could publish to uh youtube or to google drive you could also do that straight from Loom, Screencastify, Screencastomatic. So those three could be your one-stop shop in its basic form. Now, once you publish it to YouTube, you can go and you can get a free Edpuzzle account. And now you could start embedding questions in there. So if you have a screencast and you want to see what the students know about your screencast, you could use Edpuzzle, stop it at points of your screencast, and a question will pop up, and then you could keep track of their progress. Kind of like a formative assessment there. There's another 
platform called Sophia.org that I used to use that I really like with uh, YouTube videos as well because the video and the question are both on the same screen. And for some reason, I haven't heard Sophia.org in a while, and it's still one of my favorite ed tech tools that I've I've used. Yeah, Sophia was good, but you're right. I think it kind of fell off and got covered up by some other things. Um, let's actually move into what I think is going to be the most beneficial part of the segment, and that is what are some of the different ways that you can use this? And I'll start with just the most basic one, which is literally just what we have referred to so far as a screencast presentation. That means you've got a PowerPoint presentation, you click through the slides, and you narrate over top of it. Now, that can be really dry, but like with some of the editing and enhancements, GIFs, videos that you embed, you can really make even just a simple screencast presentation come alive. And think about this from the perspective of a student project. If you just tell the kids that their project is to create a screencast presentation, you might get some pretty good uh, projects out of that, some good samples. But imagine if you give them some ideas, some resources, if you curate a collection of things that they can use, Give them some GIFs as an example. Give them some videos they can embed in their slides so that video is playing while they sort of record their voice over top of it um, and sort of just give that creative spark to them. You may find that from those jumping off points, they they bring in some really new and creative things for you. Uh, But that's kind of like the classic student project use of this is just to have them make one of these uh, screencasts. So how can we take this screencast that the student made and, you know, just intensify it? What I mean by that, how can we use that screencast to enhance learning, more learning? All right, this is a great scaffolding project. If you get all of these screencasts, um, you can share them on one Google site, or you could put all the links onto a Google Doc. You could share a Google Doc, have them upload their link to their video, and then you could say, hey, you have to review three other people's projects and give them feedback. You have to review all five of the projects. So if you have 15 groups, let's say 10 groups, so 20 kids in a classroom, uh, you have 10 groups and you only have five topic areas. If five kids do one project and the other five do a duplicate project, you have two big groups that you could separate and they can watch all five. Five screencasts is doable. Oh, yeah. And they can, you know, maybe the students come up with questions that the other students have to answer. Or maybe there's a guided question that they have to answer. But it's a good way to use what the students are making and then use it again. And then if you want to use it a third time, have them make their own Kahoot or, um, let's see, Gimkit or Quizlet or Quizzes or Quizalize. I'm just uh, <laughs> name dropping formative assessment tools. Were those all real or did you make up some of those? Uh, those are all real. Those are all real. Those okay. are all real. So yeah, it's just good to know. I think anytime you have kids do a project, screencast is just another example. They It, it should have a, a purpose besides just they submit it to you and it comes back with a grade and it never really goes anywhere else. Again, it's cool if you can kind of let the other kids view and they share them and they're posted somewhere. And if you're looking for like a specific context for the kids to make one of these presentations, you could just give them a topic and say, make me a screencast about X, like whatever it is. But there's lots of cool formats you could do this in. I know we talk a lot about sort of having them, yeah, cover a topic and learn, but make it in the form of a PSA, public service announcement, where they're trying to spread the word on an issue. And in doing so, they've learned about stuff. The best part about that is you can actually post them as real PSAs to kind of put out there in the world and share on social media. Um, Another version of that is a special presentation style called a Pecha Kucha. You'll have to kind of recap the details of that one, guys, because I kind of forget. I know it's like a really quick succession of slides, right? It's uh, 20 slides, 
20 seconds per slide for six minutes and 40 seconds. And it's a presentation that the background presentation only has pictures, graphs, infographics, very limited wordage at all. I just use wordage in, in a podcast. That's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, anyway, so... I, I do like Pecha Kuchas, but uh, the PSAs are awesome, especially if, if you show them some examples on YouTube. Like, you see all these uh, videos that have the very influencing, impactful music in the background where there's a person just flipping cards with uh, facts on it. Uh, I remember one that I just watched on cystic fibrosis because I have a couple, two friends, two different time periods of my life, but both of their kids have uh, CF. So I was watching that because they're doing a fundraiser and that was their main, you know, informational push out to everybody. And it's getting a lot of hits, but uh, that's a way. Another thing I like to do is uh, kind of like a mashup of audio, pictures, video, and text. I just saw a great one on YouTube about uh, mental disorders. So the video would be like, you know, a person acting out the stereotype of a person with bipolar disorder or schizophrenia or something like that. And they're just shedding light on all these mental illnesses. And, you know, they have they have facts in there, they have pictures in there, they have video in there, and they have music that kind of brings it all together. But it was super powerful. And I think this kind the project really falls within passion projects and things like that. It's things that students are interested in and bringing awareness to. So some type of an awareness project all fits in that PSA. Uh, let's, let's flip this on its side a little bit and talk about teacher uses of screencasts. And we, we talked about just the informational one, which is your flip classroom. But screencasts are awesome for providing directions and providing feedback. So how many times have a student has a student come up to you and said, hey, I, can you repeat the directions to me or I wasn't sure about this? Constantly. Well, if you have the directions on a video, all right, maybe it's just a link at the top of the digital worksheet that you're handing out or it's on your website. It's still a screencast. It's still a screencast. You're throwing out the directions. You got the people that are better audio learners, so they're listening. And you got the people that like to see the directions on paper. You got both of them in video form. I like this a lot when I'm going to be absent if I leave um, some kind of a, an assignment for my class. And especially if I know there's going to be parts where they're going to get confused. And usually at this point, I know what those portions are going to be. I can anticipate that. I'll usually embed like a little QR code on the paper assignment that I hand out. So when they get to that spot and they're confused, they always know that they can scan the QR code. And it just goes to a quick little screencast of me. The whole screencast is probably just, I brought up the document on my computer screen and it's nothing fancy, it's just my voice, but I'm sort of highlighting the text that is confusing. And then I, like you said, there's just something about like the your voice or the inflection or the emphasis you give certain words as you're speaking, it gives them like context clues. Or I think sometimes it just makes them feel, it gives like a sense of comfort, like, oh, okay, that is what I do here. They just, they need their teacher uh, to say it. They need to hear it. And it's, it's so helpful and it, it just kind of gives them that added support. I think it personalizes our learning. Yeah. I mean, that's what it's all about. But let's talk about feedback. Uh, sometimes, you know, students, you hand back papers and all they do is read red pen. All right. They read red pen, red pen, and red pen. Well, what if, if they handed in their essay on a Google Doc and you did a screencast using 
their essay as the presentation. You could go in, hey, Johnny, I really like your hook at the beginning of your essay. Um, you went over the thesis statement. It it was short and packful. Great job. Now, down here, you have to watch your sentence structured. And, and lastly, at the end, you want to make sure that you have a solid wrap-up of everything that was stated in your paper. I think you're on the right track. This is a great rough draft. I look forward to seeing your final paper. And if there's anybody out there saying, are you listening to this and sort of saying like, what are you nuts? I'm supposed to make a whole video just to give this feedback with something like Screencast-O-Matic. And if we're giving feedback to kids, by the way, I'm not editing, right? I'm not trying to make it fancy. I just want them to hear me explain stuff. I bet you could pull up their document, hit record, and have that your video shared with them. What do you think, 10 clicks? I haven't mapped it out perfectly, but one button to start recording, then it's just you talking, one one click to stop recording, another button to push it to Google Drive, and then once it's in your drive, you just share it with them. Super, super easy. And it might, it might be one of the fastest ways, actually, to get feedback to a kid. Yeah, and if you highlight, use the highlighter tool, yeah. As you're talking about the part of the paper, which they need to look at, I mean, guess what? They have it. It's just like marking up a paper. They have it. It's there in the screencast. They can look at it many times as they want. And I, I think it's just a personable way of doing that. All right. The last way, and we'll kind of wrap this up because I think we touched on a lot and we've given uh, everyone a lot of ideas to think about. And you could app smash these. I mean what's equivalent to an app smash you can smash these ideas together but the last one is world language teachers are always looking for clever ways to test kids well i always see uh students and the teacher out in the hallway doing their you know verbal tests their fluency tests well now you can just tell them that they have to have their image on the bottom and just have them screencast them then you get to grade them whenever you want they get to do them whenever they want it's them talking so it's not like there's any cheating going on there they have to they still have to verbalize and communicate so I, I think that would be a great alternative especially if you're like pushed up to a spring break or you have a couple snow days I think that would be an awesome way to uh, get one of these verbal quizzes together I even kind of built off that one time just really quick with a with a sign with a, an article because just like you have to practice your fluency with foreign languages science sometimes is pretty complex so there's a certain fluency to talking about science well you could have kids read a an article and screencast their explanation of that article back to you and to do so they have to you know be well researched and and well aware of the vocabulary to a degree that they can actually do that confidently so even little things that might seem specific to say world language you can branch off that into so many different areas so we've covered a lot of stuff like i said what screencasts are some of our favorite tools to use them ways to enhance them and what was hopefully most helpful some different project ideas so go screencast something today You can follow Got Teched outside the podcast at gottech.com or on Twitter at WeGotTeched. So I guess the theme for today is I'm having the opportunity to work with a lot of my colleagues on creative stuff. But I think sometimes we focus a lot on how much time it takes that we need to kind of learn how to cheat as teachers a little bit. And uh, what I'm talking about is there are these little shortcuts in Chrome that allow you to do things that would take you more time than what you want to spend on them. And uh, Nick and I sat down, I guess, uh, I, early last week, I don't know, we yeah. were working on a project and he goes, oh man, I, I closed out, you know, a tab by accident. I was like, oh, no problem. And then I hit a button or a couple buttons and he was like, whoa, whoa, what did you just do there? And I was like, uh, don't worry about it. 
Well, this happens all the time because guys, he's more the computer guy, really. I mean, I'm involved with stuff kind of through him and just with my classroom, but he's the guy. So he gets to know all these these fancy little tricks and shortcuts. And when I see him, even even now as we're doing this segment, it always blows my mind because I don't use them as much as I should. And they would really save a bunch of time. So I always, my every time I look at these things, my mind is blown because I'm like, oh my God, I didn't know you could do that this whole time. I've been wasting, and it sounds silly, but like wasting time dragging my cursor up to the URL to highlight it when there's a way you could kind of shortcut that in just seconds in you know taken by itself it doesn't save you more than you know a second half a second but these sorts of things add up especially when you sort of program them into your brain and they become as second nature as just typing itself so we just kind of want to recap some of these for you guys before we get into it i kind of have to finish this i I, i've been uh until very recently i've been holding a couple of these together because i was i was like hey I'm not going to keep telling you all these. Why don't you just sit down and let me show you a couple of these? So I went over what, 15? Yeah, a ton. All right. These, I kind of want to hear what your favorites are and then sure. maybe I'll chime in with a couple at the end. But the whole thing was, is he's, he's like, my mind is blown. And then the next thing you know, we have, we have a couple more teachers coming over and, and a couple more teachers coming over. And I was like, you know what? Forget about it. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to keep these to myself. Anyone that wants to, you know, come learn about these, let's sit down and have a conversation. So Nick was the last one to come to me out of the four teachers were there. Three immediately said, I have time now. And he goes, nope, you're making too much of production out of this. I'm just going to go to my corner. And then finally, after a couple of days, he came over. And- right. Well, guys really just hoards these things because he doesn't want anybody else to use them. So he can be the most productive guy. But I've stolen some. And these are these are my favorite picks. Uh, one that I didn't know about is Control L. So if, if you're really new to this, it just means you hit the Control button and the L button at the same time. Uh, when you do that, it automatically puts your cursor up at the URL, like the address bar in, the, in, in your Chrome, your Google Chrome. And it highlights lights it automatically so then you can do a quick control C and copy it. I like this because I'm constantly sharing links with students, copy pasting links into a QR code generator uh, to provide them with resources. And it's just like a much faster way if you can just do that in a second instead of having to sort of bring the mouse up there, click and drag. So control L, that's a big one for me. Oh, keep going. All right. I like uh, control shift N. Control shift N all at the same time is really cool. Uh, this opens a new window, but it does it in a special mode, which I didn't even know was a thing. This is a very dangerous thing, but I think it could be useful. It's called, I'm not sure if the, it's official name, but private mode or what I like to call incognito mode, which just means that the uh, Chrome is not collecting the browser history while you are in that mode. So if you want to be looking at something, I like to, you know, if you're buying a gift, uh, shopping on Amazon for, you know, your kids or your wife or somebody else, and you don't want them to see that you've been there, it's a sort of a creative way to do that. These next two are kind of related. It's control W. Uh, another version of that is control shift W. Control W just closes whatever tab you're on immediately. Uh, I like this because if you've been listening for a while, you know that I like to keep my tabs to a minimum. I, at any time, if I have more than like three or four tabs, I start to get stressed out and weird. So I'm always closing tabs that I'm not like immediately using. And control W is a quick way to close whatever tab you're on. Uh, same thing with control shift W. It just closes the 
the whole currently selected window that you're on. So that's pretty cool too. Um, and then my last two favorites are control with the page down button or control with the page up button. And all those things do is kind of toggle back and forth. Uh, when you do have multiple tabs, the control page down opens whatever tab is to the right of your current tab and control page up opens the one to the left. So it's an easy way to kind of switch back and forth, uh, maybe to sort of get a quick view. If you, if you are a person who has a whole bunch of tabs up, this kind of lets you slide between all of them really fast without sort of clicking on each one to see what you have up in those. So those are like probably my six favorites. I'm not sure. Do you do you feel like those are pretty good picks? Yeah, I think they're they're good, but I think uh, you did five. So I'm oh, gonna yeah. go ahead and probably, I'm guessing that this is your sixth one. I'm not sure, but if you hit control and number, so if you have five tabs up. That's right, yeah and your third one is Gmail, and that's the one that you wanna to go to. If you just hit control three, since it's the third tab out of the five up on top, that will take you to your Gmail. Yes, I did forget that one. And that one's very simple. And the only reason why I thought that might be your sixth one is because I kind of bundled those three together when I showed you. Right. He said that I like to hoard these things. I created a worksheet, made uh, 50 copies of them, and threw them out by the copier and watched them disappear. <laughs> so. I like to call myself a curator of resources. If you want to call me a hoarder, that's fine. Sure. All right. So let's go to the next one. And I really like to bookmark everything uh, that I find interesting. And so in one of my bookmark folders, I just call it podcasters. And then any website that I like that has a podcast on it, I go to that website and I will hit control D. And what that will do is bring up the bookmark page that is, it will bookmark the page that's currently open. So I, I really uh, enjoy that one. Another one is I download stuff, especially if I'm working in Canva or something along those lines where I'm downloading infographics that I've made or, or edited pictures or something like that. Uh, I'll hit control J and that will bring up everything that was recently downloaded within my Chrome browser. So that's another great one. Uh, sometimes I need to clear my cookies or clear my cache, or I just wanna clear my browsing data just to see if my slow computer is doing being slow because of all of that or if it's because of my 159 extensions that I have downloaded and managed through extensity. So that brings me up to another one. Uh, this is my favorite. I can't believe you didn't say it. All right, what's this one? Well, I kind of alluded to it earlier when last week when you didn't have your stuff saved and you controlled oh, or yeah. you exited out of your, your yep. tab. If you hit control shift T, Oh, Anything right. that you accidentally close will reappear. Yeah, this one's a this one. I and I can never remember it. It bothers me so much because I do this all the time. Because I'm the tab. I want all my tabs gone, so I'm closing them. Sometimes I still needed them, and this just brings it right back up. If you remember, I always I tell this story about how Nick and I shared a desk. Well, we each had our desk, but they were pushed together. And Nick every morning would come in and take his yardstick, and he would put it on the edge of his desk and kind of push all my stuff. Yep. Back. He uses his desk as a workspace because he taught in one or two classrooms. I taught in four or five classrooms in three different hallways, and I would just use mine as a storage locker where I could throw piles of stuff because I taught science, and a lot of times my cart was filled with science yeah. stuff. So I would just throw, all right, this is all my stuff for room 304. This is all my stuff for 301. This is my stuff for 214. But uh, I, I call this his tab because he can't have more than five up. 
no. He starts getting antsy no. and squirrely. Yeah, so, dude, five's too many. But yeah, that's a that's a strong pick. I wish I'd got that. One. And that's why you use one tab to manage your tabs. I'm just gonna throw <laughs> that in there too. That's a bonus. Uh, my last one is the lazy man's way of entering URL addresses. So if we wanted to go to our GotTech webpage, it's www.gottech.com. Yep. Shameless plug within our own podcast. I don't know how I really feel about that, but I, I already said it, so let's roll with it. I thought it was smooth. It was good. So up in your URL, because I am the lazy man, I'm going to type in GotTech without the www and without the .com. But after I type in GotTech, I'm just going to hit Control Enter, and it will automatically put www in the front of GotTech and .com at the end. So I think that's super cool. Well, I just tried it. That actually works. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> hey, if, if I'm lying, I'm dying. You hey, know what I mean? That's funny. All right. So there's a bunch of our favorites. Uh, check them out and hopefully you can use these to uh, increase your productivity while you're working on your computer. Until next time, you're listening to Got Tech, the podcast, www.gottech.com, or you can follow us on Twitter at WeGotTech.